Hey there, everyone. This is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. And today we're going to have a lot of fun because we've got a friend from down under who now lives up over <laughs> in the U.S. of A. And it is Mr. Reed Goosens, originally from Australia. How are you doing, Reed? G'day, mate. How's it going? It's going great. So Reed is a very interesting gentleman because in 2012, he quit his job and packed up and left Australia, moved to the United States, started from scratch with very little money, no credit in the States, no job, and jumped right into real estate investing, got into multifamily real estate investing, and has just blown it right up. And I believe, if memory serves me right, Reed, that you are controlling about $120 million worth of properties. Is that that is correct right. at last at last count and trying to trying to add more to the portfolio every single day. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to our conversation Reed, because it, a lot of our listeners are Canadians and everybody's, you know, always enticed by the idea of investing in the states and we see some of the the property prices in different areas of the states and compare that to what stuff's selling for in Canada and it's just it it boggles our minds. So, tell us a little bit about how did you make that transition? What what sparked that move from Australia to the States in the first place? Yeah, good, very good question. So in 2009, this is before moving to the United States, picked up the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad, very influential. Uh, I studied civil engineering and structural engineering, had spent two years abroad. And then the, halfway through 2009, 2010, I moved back to Australia after spending two awesome years you know, gallivanting around the world. Throughout that trip, I met a beautiful girl, American girl, uh, who subsequently moved to Australia and then we moved back to the United States in 2012. But in the sort of interim, I, I got very hungry and itchy feet of like, I didn't want to live and work in a cubicle for the rest of my life, even though structural engineering and civil engineering is a great job, very well paid, but knew, knew I needed to do more with my life. Mm-hmm. And also really, really wanted to live in New York City. So the two things, I, I f- fell in love with, with New York City, but also fell in love with a girl who she's now my wife, Miss Erica Rhino, which is not missing her anymore, but my wife, Erica. And um, yes, yeah, so we moved to the United States in early 2012. She'd finished her master's degree in Australia. She is American, but she came out to Aussie for a period of time. And then I just quit my job and said, hey, man, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's give this thing a go. And uh, we, nice. we moved halfway across the world. Every single Aussie I know has that that itchy foot they got to travel that's that's yep. so good on itchy foot. <laughs> okay so you you, you were <laughs> that's a big leap from reading rich dad to owning 120 or controlling 120 million dollars worth of multifamily properties did you jump right into multifamily investing as soon as you got off the boat so to speak yeah so a little bit to what your point you're saying about earlier in the introduction of the show is when i first moved to the united states so prior to moving to the, uh, to the US, I was going to do something in Australia. I was attending a lot of real estate investing courses. You know, it's really self-education. It was going to do a flip or a lease option. You know, the Australian market is very similar probably to the Canadian market. Very high prices, high barriers to entry, compressed, you know, very small metropolitans in, in, in the general scheme of things compared to the United States. You know, I think we only got 25 million people. I think Canada says 35 million, 30, like maybe 10 million people more. Anyway, so huge barriers to entry. Cash flow is not a, not a thing. And then when I moved to the US, I moved to New York and just found that like these, these sort of what I call tier two and tier three markets that, you know, penciled really, really well. And, and I got, you know, had to, had to learn and teach myself how to the, the American lingo, what's a cap rate, what's an IRR, you know, what's credit and all that sort of stuff. So 
coming f- fresh off the boat, I had to start again in the United States and quickly realized I couldn't borrow money because I was fresh off the boat. So I bought, bought my first property within six months of moving to the US. It was actually a triplex, but I bought it for $38,000 in upstate New York. And it, it sounds great and, and you shake your head, but it, it, it also was a pain in the ass. <laughs> and, and I subsequently got rid of it and ended up scaling up and, and, got, in, and got into less risky out of Section 8 housing. And I'm sure some of your, your probably guests have spoken a little bit about Section 8 housing here in the United States. But we've got a very good thrown in the deep end, got started. And uh, you know my, the old saying, you don't get to deal number 10 without doing deal number one. And that deal number one was the triplex in upstate New York. So, so, so back, to your, back to your question. Yes, I did start with multifamily, but wasn't as large as what I'm doing today. Well, no, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't expect it was. So did you get off the boat with a boatload of money or how did you, what did, what did you do to- Not a boatload of money. I, I, I think I saved about you know, 40 grand. And again, that 40 grand was saved over the first five years of professional work. And I was going to do a, uh, you know, with that money, I was going to do a flip in Australia or you know something with it to get started in real estate. I, I obviously ended up moving to the United States. That took a little bit of it out of there. Was moving half across the world cost money, so I bought the thing all cash, and then I was able to develop local relationships with the local banks. And over a period of about six months, opened a bank account, a local branch, local bank, and uh, it was called First Niagara Bank in upstate New York. I don't think they're existing anymore. But over a period of time, I was able to develop that relationship, show that I was depositing rental checks, and then was able. They gave me a line of credit, like twenty five grand or thirty grand, and that was able. I was able to buy deal number two with that. Again, very cheap property, but jaw-droppingly cheap. <laughs> Quickly realized why they were so cheap. But it was really, again, more the fact that I got started rather than just, you know, no stuck in a book reading about real estate. It's, it's like that thing you, you don't read about. You, you don't get buffed by reading about going to the gym. You've got to go to the gym. So <laughs> it's the same sort of thing. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, apparently. Yeah. That explains a thing or two. <laughs> Just keep looking at it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Visualizing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so walk us through, okay, going from those crappy little multis that got your feet wet and you self-financed, you did your own deal. When did you start bringing on investor partners or when did you start, I know as you mentioned before we, we jumped on live, that you're big into syndication. So how yes. does that whole process kind of start? Well, it's, uh, to all your Canadian listeners, it was actually a very good buddy of mine, using the Canadian term. He was, in a, he was a Canadian friend of mine that would study university in Australia. He came out to New York in late 2013. I think I had three properties at that stage, but still working full time. And he really, you know, I was like, oh man, I've earned like eight units or whatever it was, you know, there's some total of, you know, maybe a quarter million dollars worth of, of real estate in upstate New York. And he just, he said, oh, that's great. You know, well done. I just closed on a 70 unit. And I said, what, seven zero? And he's like, yeah, 70 units. I was like, how the hell did you do that? And he's like, well, I pulled a bunch of money from friends and family and I got a seller carryback financing. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let, let me look. I'm writing all this down really quickly. <laughs> and that was, he was actually the guy that kickstarted it all. And I, I, I also realized in myself within the six to 12 months of first moving to the United States that I really reached the end of my tether pretty quickly. You know, I, I didn't have any more my own money. I, you know, banks weren't really lending to me because the fact was I was still fresh off the boat building that credit. So I really had to focus on syndication. And I was like, what's this syndication? What's, you know, other people's money? What's OP? all that sort of jazz that you hear about. And through that one conversation, I, I, through, uh, I went and got a mentor 
who was based here in the United States. And, and through that, I was able to build a brand and um, I built the brand Investing in the US, which is a, another podcast on iTunes. And it was in and around my story about moving to the United States because back in 2012, 2013, there's a lot of people trying to buy turnkey real estate in the United States and yeah. you know, just explaining you know, how to get credit and all that sort of stuff and how to get started and what's an LLC and what's an ITIN number and blah, blah, blah. And through that, platform I was able to attract investors and through that I was able to raise money on um, on larger multifamily because with larger multifamily I was able to move the NOI and the net operating income and, and through moving the net operating income I was able to force the appreciation which really resonated with me compared to doing the you know on the triplex and the duplexes you don't really you might bump the rent by 100 or 150 bucks a month but that's not really forcing you only got three units so your scale just isn't there yeah that's that's really in a nutshell how it got started Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So now that you've been in the game for quite a while, you've got the podcast going, all that kind of good stuff. What are, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people wanting to get into multifamily investing doing? What kind of mistakes? Where are they screwing up? Uh, look, everyone's going to have a different journey. I think the big thing that people, and, and to, to my point, you know, myself included, when I first moved to the US, I was very in awe of the amount of free information that was out there, like compared to back in Australia where I would have had to pay a guru six or seven, ten thousand dollars to be mentored by them. And I it took me a couple of years to get to that point where I was like, okay, I need to get a mentor because I need to ride on his coattails to get to where I want to be. And so not necessarily a mistake, but just maybe a delaying of the inevitable that I ended up going down that path. And for many, many years I was like, oh screw that. I don't, I don't need a mentor. I don't need a pay for someone to tell me what to do. And but like any good coach, you know, um, the coach of the Toronto Raptors obviously did very, very well just recently. They need people there to, to teach them, you know, to sort of guide them along their journey. And, uh, and regardless if you're Steph Curry or some of the, the big names in, in, the, in the Raptors, you still need a coach to, to as I said, steer the ship in, in, in the right direction. So getting, delaying getting a mentor, I think a mentor is really important. And, and you know, regardless of what your thoughts are on it, surrounding yourself with other people who have been successful even if you don't pay for mentorship, just you know, being around other successful people helps you in, in your own way get to that, that success in which you want to achieve in, in your life. So that's probably the biggest thing that I see people stumbling on and thinking they've got to do it all by themselves where, in fact, there's a lot of resources out there, free resources that you can leverage quite well in order to get going and, and get your first deal done because you don't get to deal number 10 without doing deal number one, right? <laughs> exactly. No, definitely. Now, you, you mentioned that you're... Rich Dad, Poor Dad was a big influence on you as it is, as it has been on me and gazillions of other real estate investors. Right. One of Kiyosaki's other books was titled Your Unfair Advantage, where he basically says each one of us has at least one, if not multiple, unfair advantages. What would you say yours is, Reed? Uh, my unfair advantage. Look, I'm a, I've always been brought up with the notion of being acutely aware of what a dollar is worth and how to create a dollar through other sweat equity or just rolling up the sleeves. I, I do remember being, you know, just legally third, I think it was 13 and a half in Australia to get a first, first, first job. And I was, you know, as soon as a two, 13 and six months, I was at the local grocery store. Please give me a job. Please give me a job. And my parents all, you know, come from, you know, moderate, you know, me, moderate means. They're both school teachers back in Australia. And my dad always said to me, a, a fool and their money are easily parted. And, you know, I didn't grow up with it without, but I didn't grow up in, in luxury. And so I, I always was, was instilled in me to work hard and to don't be afraid to roll up the sleeves. 
and, and get a bit dirty, get the, get, get dirt under your nails. I, I remember you know, doing many jobs throughout summers back at university and high school where I'm glad I, I chose the path of being at university and getting a degree and all that sort of stuff. But I was also not afraid to, to get a bit dirty and, and, and get a bit sweaty. So my un, I don't think my, there's no unfair advantage. I'm not, I'm not naturally, I'm a B student. You know, I wasn't an A student, but you know, I, I never gave up. My, I've got probably my unfair advantage is, is resilience. And, and even if you, you, know, you do fail, you get back up on the horse and keep going again. You're going to dust your knees. Things are going to happen over, over time. And you've got to understand you know, where you're going to go wrong and try to foresee that coming. But if you do, you know, have, have a few dusts up, then get, keep going, keep, keep, keep pushing. Well, that's a good point because I find that a lot of people, as soon as, you know, we become adults, we develop this intense fear of failure or more like fear of looking stupid in front of other people. <laughs> I think that's what it really boils down to. So any suggestions on, on how to get out of that? Because it holds so many people back. Yeah, there's a, I'm going to forget the name of this book, but I was listening to a podcast where it talks, there's a book that talks about harnessing your inner child. You know, when you're a child, you, it's like, well, why can't I do that, dad? Or why can't I do that, mum? Or, or why can't I just go over there and, and, and you know, the, the big questions that were very, very simpli, uh, simplified in, in a child's mind. And it's sort of, the book is called like, I think, Harnessing Your Inner Child as an Entrepreneur. And Again, letting go of the shackles of you know what people think and, and these mindsets and the way in which we've been taught and brought up, and and I think the biggest thing is we're a little bit our it's a, a little bit to do with ego and it's a little bit to do with not thinking that we've arrived as adults. You know, I know everything. I'm an adult. I should you know I should, I should have my excuse me my quote unquote shit together, <laughs> and, and 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 that then in turn produces this sort of weird economy of like, well, I can't go and take that risk because of so-and-so. My, you know, my parents told me this, this and that. So I think trying to understand that harnessing, one, harnessing your inner child, but also continuing to learn and, and not being afraid to continue to learn. And I think as entrepreneurs in this world of things are so drastically and rapidly changing, we've really got to be like a surfer, you know, like ride the wave of change and be okay with change and, and not just be, have the blinkers on and, and, and go down the path of, of that's been, you know, well-traveled, you know, try and try and blaze your own path if you can and um, do things a little differently. So, so, yeah. Yeah. Well said. Definitely. Reed, a lot of Canadians are interested in investing down in the States. Do you have any, uh, I mean, it's too, too big to get into a lot of depth, but any tips or suggestions on how to get their feet wet on, on how to make that first step into investing in the United States? Yeah, well, I think the big thing is the first step you need to do is understand what market and what you want to invest in, right? So a lot of probably like a lot of Australians, a lot of Canadians are looking south of the border and saying, okay, hey, there's all this great cash flow, right? So you really got to define what do you want out of US, US investments. Secondly, you got to then look at like what is going to be the best markets to invest in from north of the border, right? You're going to be investing out of the country. So, you know, choose a market where you may have a bit of a competitive advantage. Maybe you've got a relative there or a friend there or someone who can share information that you, because you live in Canada, you don't necessarily know that, you know, being south of Smith Street is bad or being north of Smith Street is bad. So trying to harness your network of, of people who do live in the United States, once you've chosen a market or a couple of markets, really, I always encourage people to underwrite a minimum of 50 deals in any one market because that will is a great desktop study on getting to know the market without actually being boots on the ground. And then you get to, and then the second, the third thing is 
reaching out to local brokers, local partners. If you can partner with anyone boots on the ground, I highly recommend doing it because it will then incentivize the person who's on the ground. It's, you know, they're part of the deal. They can, you, you both got shared interests, right? And so you don't have to necessarily worry if it's just your deal that's, you know, thousands of kilometers away and sort of set it and forget it, but no one's really looking over it. Yes. So there's a couple of things there that you, you, you definitely need to, to do. First, I'll repeat that if people miss that is, you know, trying to see what, what markets you want to invest in. What are you investing for really? What was your ultimate goal here? And what's your value for investing in real estate in the United States? And seeing if you can try and find a local boots on the ground partner. As the process goes along, I always, 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 always recommend that people go and visit and touch and feel the markets. And you may have to do it a couple of times, but if you're going to invest a large sum of money, spending a couple of hundred bucks on a flight and accommodation for due diligence, just, you know, to make sure that you've got the right investment is small change compared to losing your shirt. So, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's definitely. So Reed, I believe you've got a book about investing in the, in the U S why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Lot? Yes, I do. I, uh, for those people who are watching, it's called investing in the U S it's the same name as my podcast. It's named the ultimate guide to us real estate. And what it is, is really all the best episodes that I thought are really good, uh, jam packed into a step-by-step guide for people who want to invest here. Now, not, this is for both foreigners and local people. It's in and around my story. I talk a lot about how to find markets. I talk a lot about how to get set up here in the United States legally as an international investor. It's probably the only chapter, I think it's like chapter six, that I talk a little bit about you know, bank accounts and you know, LLCs and all that sort of great stuff. And then I talk about you know, how to underwrite deals and then how to develop out your team on boots on the ground in order for you to be successful. And then I talk a little bit about syndication and, and then go on to talk a little bit about uh, the tax strategies with 1031 if people aren't aware of that you know what, what why they're so great in order to leverage up and scale your to create i should say long-term wealth so um if anyone is interested please reach out i'm more than happy to shoot them a free pdf copy if they listen to your show i appreciate that and if people want to find out more about you read what's the uh... The best way for them to do that. Best, the best way is just to head over to my website. It's reedgoosens.com. It's a bit of a doozy. R-E-E-D-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S.com. Reedgoosens.com. Everything, all the links are going to be there. All the contact information is there. If people are ever coming through Los Angeles, because that's where I live and they want to talk, catch up for a beer or a coffee or lunch, I'm always willing to, to make some time for people, particularly my Canadian brothers north of the border. And um, we can have a few jokes and laughs about the Americans at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. All right, Reed. Very nice to meet you. Thanks for your time on the podcast today. Thanks, mate. All right, everybody. Take care. See you next time. Bye-bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. Be very, very much appreciated. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at InvestorAttractionDemo.com. Take care.